debates, roasting, and fun in Jeet Nation's newest podcast, Breaking Ring Rust. And it starts right now. Welcome to another episode of Breaking Ring Rust, a pro wrestling podcast by Cheek Nation. My name is Rockin' Mr. Magic. I am joined by always my co-host, the Cold Heart, JT. What up, Cold Heart? Glad to be with you as always. Yes, glad to be back. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we are so glad you're joining us for this episode. This is our season premiere of season two of Breaking Ring Rust. We've had a full year, September, now it's October 2019, and we are raring to get go with season two. So we have a special, special thing going on tonight. And JT was the one who set this up. I'm going to let the cold heart make the introduction. All right. So our next guest, um, I actually uh, met kind of over the phone a few years ago, and I've had several interactions with him over the year. This is our first time actually kind of meeting face-to-face, but he is uh, not only a wrestling legend, he's now an evangelist. Um, Give you a little bit of his backstory. He is a former NWA United States heavyweight champion, former world television champion, uh, multi-time world tag team champion. Uh, world six-man champion uh he also unified the national championship with the united states championship and unified the world television championship in the nba with the uwf television championship the one and only nikita koloff nikita welcome to the show jt thank you for that introduction man hey you've done your homework brother i'm impressed and uh Watched it all as and and Nikita, I don't know mainly, but I got as an debut and when I was scared to death that you and Ivan were going to come to my house in Cabarrus County and kick down the door and beat my dad up. Um so you you guys really uh had me uh sold on the whole gimmick. Well uh, which was the idea right out of the gate and I very very vividly remember on Mid Atlantic Championship Wrestling. And I just thought, man, if, they, if these guys can beat up these guys, what if they showed up at my house? <laughs> that, that's a deep cut to pull out those guys' names. Yeah, the young bloods, man. You're going back. Like I said, we want to be respectful of your time. So let's dive in here. So, something that always fascinated with me is reported that you went to what some people call wrestler high school. Kurt Hennig, uh, Barry Darso. Uh, John Nord and Brady Boonton. And what did you know of those guys? Well, uh, hey, let me say too, uh, by the way, congratulations on your first year and uh, and uh, moving into your second year for break, breaking off the r- wrestling, the ring rust. I, I love that. That's a great, uh, great title you Thank guys you. got there. So, yeah, actually, uh, pretty, pretty interesting. There were there were um, seven of us. That, that came out of there uh, all within a, within a three-year period um, that in five of the seven played on the same uh, high school football team uh, one year because obviously we were different years of graduation. And, yeah, it was pretty, pretty crazy to look back on it because none of us at the time ever, uh, you know, other than knowing Kurt Henning's dad was Larry the Axe Henning, none of us really uh, 
entertain any idea of wrestling. And I, I don't even know if Kurt did at the time, but, uh, and then if you want to take it one step further, uh, Vern Ganya was actually a graduate of Robbinsdale high school and mean Gene Okerlund. Now they are a few wow. years ahead of our time, but, uh, but they came out of the same high school as well. How crazy is that? So, something must have been in the water in Robbinsdale then. Yeah, I think it was in the water tower. The, the Robbinsdale Robins were drinking out of the water tower. <laughs> now, uh, that, that perfectly, you said you, you never, a lot of you guys never thought about going into wrestling. And that kind of segues perfectly into my next question. Uh, heard from multiple sources, you, you, you never plan on being a wrestler, but you, you know, you're, you're taught into becoming a wrestler. And they're told and want you down in Charlotte for Jim Crockett and just, and you're only just told shave your head and go down there and you go down there and start working with, with basically little or no training as Ivan Coloss nephew. What, what can you tell us about that? Well, a couple things. So one, I'll, I'll, it wasn't that I was talked into it. That, that wasn't even that, that, yeah, there's no talking me into it. They just simply shared the, the storyline with me uh, of what, uh, uh, what, what the story would be. Gave me a phone number to call Jim Crockett, the promoter in Charlotte, had a five-minute conversation with him, sight unseen. And I was just thinking about this actually a couple of days ago because I just drove by where the old office originally was when I drove down there 35 years ago. It's crazy. Um, and, and it wasn't little or no, I mean, it wasn't little, tra- it was zero training, like no training. I made sure Mr. Crockett understood prior to my showing up in his office in a town I'd never been, Charlotte, North Carolina, that I had zero amateur wrestling background, zero professional training. I had never even been in a ring, hit a ring rope. And he said he understood that and just simply instructed me to uh, sight unseen, you know, no, no cell phones in those days, no taking pictures and, and sending it through the wire. Um, and then I didn't have another conversation with him until the day I walked into the office two months later, took a look at me and, and the rest of the old cliche goes, the rest is history. He introduced me to my new partners, put me right in the interview set. Uh, and that was my introduction to professional wrestling as the Russian nightmare Nikita Koloff. Uh, what is some of your memories of working with Ivan um, and, and Jim Paris as you started to train and started to you know, develop as a wrestler? What well, was Ivan and Don Cronoda? Yeah, yeah, those they were the world tag team champions, and and so you know we uh, of course I give all credit, really so much credit to a number of people, but them being two of them because what we did uh, after we finished all the interviews that that particular day, we uh, Jim Crockett instructed me to be in Raleigh, North Carolina the next night because I'd be wrestling on television, having never been in a, a ring before. And uh, fortunately for me, it was a, a short 11-second mm. match in a, in a win, in a victory. And then what we did for the next two or three months is Ivan, Don, and I would get to the uh, arenas early, two three hours early. And they would bump all over the ring, teaching me the mechanics of wrestling. I'd usually have a singles match, uh, sometimes against one or sometimes a handicap against two guys and destroy them in a minute or two. And then 
I'd sit in their corner for their world tag match, watch their match. Of course, Uncle Ivan right. was in my corner watching my match. And then every night on the drive home, we talk about the psychology of wrestling and why they did what they did and how I can improve upon what I was doing in the ring. First-hand training before, and then you got to just be there ringside and watch, you know, these masters do it, you know, court ringside, essentially. On-the-job training, my brother, yes. Awesome. Talking about Ivan, that's something I wanted to get into because I, I met Ivan uh, myself uh, back at Steamboat's gym, and, you know, they say that the best characters are people who are just themselves amped up to a, a higher degree but I've got to say, as good of a character as Ivan was, Ivan the person and Ivan the man could not have been more different. Um, you know, because I, Ivan Koloff was this vicious Russian bear, you know, who, yeah. who I will take you in Russian chain match. Yeah. But Ivan the man uh, was just such a sweet guy. Uh, and, uh, you know, so he could not have been more different. Um, and I knew him, uh, for a period of, I'd say about four years. Um, and of course Ivan's no longer with us, but he just always struck me as just one of the sweetest people, not just in wrestling. What can you tell us about what you knew of him, the man and your memories of him? Well, yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, I don't know, honestly, uh, to, to date that there's really anyone who had a a crossword about Ivan. Um, I mean, he was the consummate worker in the ring, always about business. Uh, you know, w wasn't ever really trying to, to um, rock the boat, if you will. Um, you know, did what was asked of him and, and well liked by basically everybody I know that ever worked with him. Uh, it could be somebody out there. I don't know, but I've never met them. And so, you are right. He is. Uh, he was. Uh, he was just a, a great guy outside the ring. It, it reminds me uh, of another similar story. George the Animal Steel, who had kind of this crazy character, right? But coming beknownst to, to, to many people, you know, he's a school teacher and one of the most lovable, likable guys on the planet. And that that essentially was Ivan as well. Right. Right. Now, when you when you're teaming with him after you've been in the business about a year, you participated in what was one of my all time favorite angles, especially being in Charlotte where you uh, got to do something. I think a lot of wrestling fans led like do you sickled David Crockett. <laughs> I did. That's correct. Yeah. And um, from, from what I've heard, uh, you didn't hold back. David said, bring it. You definitely gave it to him. Well, and that, go ahead. Sorry. And that, and that, of course, led to a, a huge uh, Great American Bash match in Charlotte at Memorial Stadium. So um, just share with us your memories on that angle and leading to that big matchup with Flair for the World Cup. Yeah, it was a unique uh, approach to a match because Rick and I had never been in the ring. As you said, I've only been in the business barely, you know, barely a year working towards that angle. Um we had no real encounters other than conversations. Ivan and I did these dungeon scenes, um, you know, my, my training uh, for, for the gold uh, and for Ric Flair and culminated by, as you uh, made reference to sickling David Crockett, which, you know, in my mind, I was like, it's television. It's got to look good. 
I'm not, I don't recall him saying bring it, but I definitely did. Um, and uh, got quite a few comments and still to this day, it's every, it just pops up on Twitter and, and in different places that clip from time to time. And so it, it, it definitely made an impact on the wrestling world. It was part of um, a, 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 something that was sold in PWI magazines at the time. I think it was called Lords of the Ring was the tape. And um, I remember watching the tape and I remember uh, you doing the neck exercises with the Russian chain around your forehead right. while Ivan was holding it. And, um, <clears throat> you know, then uh, and, and, the, and the sickle on David and just um, – just the it's, it's such a great angle and and it was i think that was the biggest crowd you guys had that year for the bash as well Well, it was the first ever great american bash and um you know when i reflect back on that it, it was almost to the day i think 13 months uh to the day from the time i had showed up at the office and put on an inter interview set and in that short period of time, I'd become the world tag champion, world six-man champion, as you were mentioning earlier. Now I'm wrestling for the world heavyweight title. Really kind of surreal to look back on it and think about it um, as, as uh, you know, as inexperienced as I was, but yet uh, Jim Crockett's confidence that I could go in there and, and be the main event in front of whatever, what, 25, 30-something thousand people – um, was just, uh, it's just surreal to think back on. So definitely memorable to say the least. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, and it was a great angle. And like I said, people are still, uh, tweeting about it today. Um, you know, um, <clears throat> and just, I think uh, uh, just as much as they're tweeting about David Craig going, you see that Tony, you see that Tony, <laughs> right? Look at that Tony. Right. Look at that, Tony. He's going to get him, Tony. All right. Um, we're going to fast forward about a year, and you had something that has, you know, been been duplicated quite a bit. You, you did a best of seven series with Magnum TA, or actually best of nine because a couple of the matches ended in smudge finishes. Um, but you had this big angle for the U.S. title, um, and it was just some really – stiff-looking, brutal matches uh, that would end up with you winning the U.S. title. What can you tell us about those matches well, and Magnum? First, let me say, often imitated, never duplicated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, no, uh, uh, on, a, on a serious note, um, probably the most talked about uh, matches that, that I had my entire career by, by the wrestling fans. Anywhere I go, doing autograph signings or speaking in churches or men's ministry or wherever I go and wherever, whatever I'm doing, when they bring up my wrestling career, the best of seven against Magnum TA is, is the most uh, often mentioned. And kudos to Dusty Rhodes, my former partner, who, who was a creative genius, came up with the idea of that. And then how we even went into it, you know, with him being stripped, you know, by Bob Geigel and the president of the NWA at the time. And then and then the idea of of the 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 Russian nightmare going up one to nothing, two to nothing, three to nothing, and then him inching his way back, right? Three to one, three to two, three to three, culminating once again in Charlotte uh for the seventh and final match. And and just brings back just a flood of memories and, and 
you know, what you mentioned about the matches with Magnum and I, both of us had very similar styles in that we worked what we like to call very snug and, and realistic. We, I mean, we, we wanted the fans to go. In fact, I used to hear comments. I don't know about any of the other matches, but that match between Nikita and Magnum was real, you know? And so, which was our goal. Right. That was our objective. And, right. and we were right. both okay with it, with that style of work. And of course he's the, the, the darling at the time, the, you know, just American, you know, all American look, you know, that he had and the, the apple pie and, you know, the, just the whole deal. He had it. He, he was the package. So. Right. Um, and then, of course, unfortunately, shortly after that, Magnum had his accident. He wouldn't come back and wrestle. Um, but there was a huge um, angle where he was supposed to wrestle with Dusty and Charlotte, and you took his place um, against the horseman in the cage. In fact, I reposted that on Facebook the other day. Um, and and you and now you're one of the good guys. Uh, and uh, what was that transition like for you? Well, I mean, great question. I mean, obviously to go from, at the time, one of, if not the most hated guy in professional wrestling at the time, f fan voted um, to, to all of a sudden uh, flip the coin and, and become one of, the, one of the fan favorites was certainly a, an opportunity that, you know, I didn't want to pass up. I mean, I, I could have, I suppose, been a bad guy my whole entire career that, that might have been probably easy to do. Um, but I'm thankful, grateful for the opportunity to, to have been on the other side of the tracks and, 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 and then to partner with the, you know, the, the American dream, Dustin Rose, baby, tow, power too sweet to be power. If you will, yeah. Um, was, uh, you know, just something that was, uh, perhaps you might say once in a lifetime career wise and create the superpowers and, um, and then that particular evening, the way we set the stage with that, with, that, with it being a mystery partner and nobody, nobody knowing, nobody knowing, including any, you couldn't keep a secret like no, that no, anymore no. in wrestling. No, nobody knew except, no, Jim Crockett, Dusty no. Rhodes, myself. I mean, I didn't even tell Ivan. I, I, we, did, we agreed we were telling nobody. I was going to show up an hour late to the building after the match has already started. So no, nobody would even see me walk into the building even though, and I wasn't on the card, booked on the card. So it was a complete shocker for, I mean, for, for all the guys in the business, uh, as well as the fans that, I mean, the, you could have heard a pin drop in that building when I walked out of the, the dressing room uh, to trail Dusty to the ring. Wow. And and it was a and it was a huge uh, and if anyone wants to go check it out, it's on the Jeep Nation page. There is a video of this. When you come out, there is just an not an ovation, but an eruption when you come out and stand beside Dusty. Well, it it, it erupted, and, and again, kind of built the built the anticipation of what's going to happen because I step over the barrier, I pause, I step up, I climb up the because it's in a cage, I climb up the stairs, I I. I get to the door, I pause, you know, uh, Ole and, and JJ are already, you know, pounding on Dusty. I stepped through the ropes and where the eruption happened is when Ole came walking towards me and I tore into Ole and that's when the place erupted as the old expression. Right. Goes, the roof came off the building. And, 
Uh, you and Dusty would have some great success. You'd have some great success. Don't want to spend too much time, but you did main event Starcade that year against Flair. Uh, you would, uh, you guys would win the second Crockett Cup, and then um, heading into the summer, you would be part of the first two uh, war games. Uh, so, uh, tell tell me what that's about. Like when Dusty's first. You know, telling you, uh, you know, hey baby, uh, I, I've been geniusing, and uh, I got this idea here. Uh, we gonna have war games. So, so tell me what what that's like, and what it was like to to work those matches. Well, I, I mean, I, I mean, the very the very first one again, just I feel ingenious the the idea of two cages ring, you know, Kate. Cage across the top, nobody gets out, and then they alternate back and forth. You know, the bell rings, and 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 you know, you alternate. It's always two on one, right? And the, the, the bad guy's got the advantage each time, and 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 again, just the electricity in the building that on that very first one. The others were were great, but I just you know, I remember that very first one. Just the it was electrifying in the building, and I don't. I don't know that the people, you know, sat down for the entire uh, almost, I think, 30 minutes that it lasted. Um, and, and so just the, yeah, just the concept of it was, was, uh, was amazing. And then the way we structured it and how we did it um, to pull the, the, the fan into the whole story well, was incredibly memorable. Yeah, and and think that War Games has even been brought back now, thirty years later into WWE in a modified form, but still brought back. I think that says something about the genius of Dusty coming up with the match in the first place. I I, I do too. Once again, often imitated, never duplicated, right? Because you said it in its modified form, but uh, right. Some of the stuff we did, you know, they you can try. Honest, on a serious note, you can try to duplicate some of that, and and sometimes it works, but nothing, nothing like the original. There just is nothing like the original. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, shortly after this, you you, you um, after the first war games, you dropped the U.S. title to Luger. Um, you would, uh, but then you'd pick up the TV belt from Tully. You'd uh, unify it with uh, the UWF TV title, uh, beating Terry Taylor at Starcade. Um, and I, I recall even uh, not all that long ago, there were pictures of you with the UWF TV title belt, um, which has always been one of my favorite belts. Um, but you picked up that belt, uh, and uh, you would continue on with Crockett, uh, right up until around the time of the sale, and then you took some time off from wrestling. Uh, and so we would see pop up in the AWA um, for you know a cup of coffee. Uh, but you finally made a return to WCW in 1991, um, and you show up, and it was one of my favorite uh, angles of all time. Uh, Lex Luger had just won a match for the uh, defending the U.S. title. You're standing there uh, at, at a podium, and you've got a new U.S. title belt, and you're going to present it to him. And he was like, Luger, I have something I wanted to give you for a long, long time. And then you just crack him in the face with the belt. Correct. Uh, yeah. Um, 
so my my question was, what was it like uh, coming back now under uh, Turner's ownership, Jim Hurd's leadership, um, and how was Dusty different as a booker during this era? Um, well, actually, actually, I mean, I I, I was working for Hurd, Jim Hurd, and, and the Turner organization before before I took the uh, the, the sabbatical before I stepped away. So, so I, I'd already been working for, you know, bring some, some clarity to, to the question. And, and it, it changed. Uh, Let me just address that first. It changed because it went from a mom and pop organization, family owned business with the Crockett family for 50, 55 years to corporate America stepping in and just becoming a chapter in Ted Turner's portfolio. And so, and moving the office from Charlotte down down to Atlanta. And so there was already a seismic shift in, in the attitude and, and of guys and, um, and, and just uh, even of the front office. Uh, because when I told them I stepped away, and, and if people are wondering why I stepped away, I had a wife that died of cancer at the age of 26, um, Mandy had, uh, they found it when she was 24, she babbled it for two years and she, it had went into her mission, but they came back in full force. And when it came back is when I made a decision to step away from the ring and devote full time and attention to her and, and, you know, hopes that, uh, that she get healthy, but she of course ended up uh, dying and I took, uh, continued to take some time off there before agreeing to come back and, and they wanted me to be the bad guy. Right. And, and, uh, and I, I tried to tell them, I go, you know, the Agnum, you know, that we did the turn to the superpowers with got over so strong, so well, uh, I, I go, I don't know that that's, Oh no, 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 no. We're going to put you against Luger. He's our second hottest, you know, baby face. And so they did. And, and we did, we, we, we did it. And, it was about 50-50. I mean, we get to arenas, about 50% cheered him, 50% cheered me. They're like, well, okay, well, we'll, well, you're right. We'll put you with Sting. He's the hottest baby face. So then we did the deal in St. Pete where they were wrestling the Steiners and Luger Ducks, and I hit Sting, and we fight out into the parking lot. And that was better, but it was still 75-25. And then, and then uh, that's when, you know, took a little window of time there to come back and and – appeal to Sting and become a partner of his and, and, you know, finish the career, you know, as a good guy. So yeah. Interesting here. Interesting history there. Yeah. Um, yeah. You touched on a, a couple things. And one, I gotta say when you came back, um, especially when you were feeding with Sting, um, I, I was a hundred percent in your corner because, uh, at that point I was, uh, I guess I was 15 and I was, um, very much pulling for the heels and, and sting had go away heat with me because I was tired of him being forced down my throat. So, um, our, 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 our normal co-host who is, who, who's normally with us. I remember, uh, he and I going to church on a Wednesday night and then coming back and watch clash of the champions when you wrestled sting and you were going to, uh, sickle the little singer with the chain and we're going, do it, do it, do it. <clears throat> so, uh, we, we were, we, we were, uh, very much against sting in that angle. Um, 
you left kind of suddenly in 91 because they had announced on TV, they announced on Saturday, uh, on Saturday night TV, you're going to face Bill Kazmaier at Clash of the Champions in a test of strength contest. And then there's no Nikita and they don't mention you until the spring. Was it just time to go away and let things freshen up or, or what was the reason you left? If you don't mind talking about no, it. I, I don't mind. It would, it, uh, Again, front office uh, corporate America was a bit different than than uh, than the family owned business, and and so you know I ca- I came back under a, a short term contract. You know they were doing contracts at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a great question, by the way. I came back under a short term contract, and then they kept saying, "Hey, we're we're going to extend, 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 extend it." And I'm like, "Okay, okay, okay," and they didn't, and didn't, didn't, and didn't, and so you know it was booked i remember i was i think i was riding with i'm pretty sure i was riding with with bobby Eaton and arn anderson and we were driving to a town somewhere and i go and we, um i think we i think we were in florida i know that and we we're going back to tampa i think and then the next night i think it was jacksonville florida and they're uh they're like yeah we'll see you tomorrow night and i go no actually you won't and they're like what are, you, what are you talking about? I go, dude, I'm flying home, man. My contract was up today. Like today it's done and, and they still haven't, uh, you know, renegotiated it. And so uh, I'm out. And they're like, ah, oh, don't do that. And Arn was like, they're going to make me work twice. And I found out, sure enough, they did. When they found out I didn't show up the next night, he ended up having to work twice that on that card that night. Um, and, and so... I waited and wait. Finally, they're like, all right, well, you know, and there's a few months there that took him to get it done. They finally got it done. And then we, uh, I came back. All right. So when you came back in 92, um, as you said, you, you appealed to Sting. You become a member of, of Sting Squadron, as they say. It was, um, it was you, uh, Sting, Barry Windham, um, Ricky Steamboat, and I'm blanking on who else, but y'all took on the Dangerous Alliance. Dustin, I think. Dustin Rhodes. Yeah, Dustin. Um, and you took on uh, you took on Dangerous Alliance um, at War Games, which was Rick Rude, Steve Austin, Bobby Eaton, Arn Anderson, Larry Zabisco. So a lot of Hall of Fame level talent in that ring. Um. And a lot of people argue that that's the best war games. They say that's a five-star war games. Um, what do you say about that match? No, I, I mean, again, the, the most memorable one to me is the very first one. I, you know, I, 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 and, and lots of matches under my belt, by the way. So, you know, honestly, hard to remember all of them. I, I can't think that really jumps out in my mind about that match. I, I do recall, uh, so I know what you're talking about. Because, um, you know, we participated in quite quite a few war games. And, and again, just with the format of the match itself, you, you know it's going to be exciting for the fan just because of the way it's, it's structured. And so, you know, if some of the fans think it, it was the best one, you know, then, you know, my, my, my hat's off to them. I, I don't know what I wouldn't. I couldn't say whether it was or wasn't. Uh, I just know it was, uh, um, you know, a great, great teams that we had together and great chemistry for the match. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and, yeah. So you came in with a lot of steam. You you, you team with uh, Steamboat um, 
a lot that year. You'd feud with Rude over the U.S. title. Um, <clears throat> a question I've always wanted to ask you about that year was, do you feel like WCW dropped the ball with your return? Great. I mean, I, as a fan, I feel like they did. Great question. Great question. Um, here's how I felt upon my departure to take care of my, my dying wife, that they frowned on my decision um, to, to take that sabbatical. Because, and I say that because when I returned, um, in, in my view, they never, not only in the ring and, and was storylines, but just even outside the ring, they, they, I don't feel they ever treated me with, with the, the respect that I had earned. Um, and to your point, I felt like um, they were intentionally, you know, trying to, as we would say in the, in, in the, in the business, uh, bury me and, you know, bury the character and bury the career. Fortunately, I learned enough in the early part of my career from Ivan and Don and Dusty and others to know how to keep myself over um, while at the same time, just throwing me in matches that made no sense. And, and so I would have to say your observation was, was uh, pretty accurate. All right. Um, and my, my next question, this is the last question about your uh, career um, is this, you, Leading the last time we're going to see you is at Howling Havoc that year. Originally, you're booked to face Rude. Rude ha already has an NWA title match that night, so they put you in the ring against Vader. Um, and you guys have a, as you say, very uh, snug or stiff match. Um, and we don't see you again. I talked to you a few years later. You said you got injured in that match. Um, tell us a little bit about what happened and your decision to walk away from the ring there. So. Not a career ending in injury, but part of my, it turned out to be part of my own personal plan by that meaning, you know, I told Ivan and Don, with the, I mean, from day one, I got in the business, I said, I'll be retired from active wrestling, you know, by the time I'm 35 and they're like, ah, oh, get your blood, you'll, you know, you'll wrestle forever, you know, like some of the guys. And I'm like, no, I go, I'll, I'm, I'm leaving on top of the business. I am not hanging around so long that. Fans want to know when I'm going to quit. And so um, that particular night, I injured my neck. You were, and, and, and Vader, you know, had a, had a uh, kind of a reputation of being a bit reckless, um, you know, that, that everyone kind of knew that. And so trying to protect myself, we were battling out on the floor and he clotheslined me the back of my head and, and uh, pinched a nerve in my arm and, and uh, wasn't sure what happened to my neck at that point and then um, reported that that night. But then the next morning I woke up, I was going to go get my neck, you know, checked out and, and ended up, uh, uh, ended up realizing I had a hernia. He's, you know, legit 500 pounds. So I had a hernia. So I had to get hernia surgery, uh, get that repaired while at the, the same time having my neck, looked at from everything from a chiropractor to a, to a neurosurgeon with an MRI and what they determined, I was 33 at the time. And they said, you have the neck of a 55 year old man currently with bone spurring arthritis and a deteriorating disc. Um, 
you know, from all, from all that fake wrestling, right. right. And um, <laughs> mm-hmm. from all the pile drivers and all the different moves that we experienced. And, and so I was rehabbing the neck. I had the hernia surgery, get ready to turn 34. And I thought to myself, okay, by the time I go back, do I really want to go back for a year or nine months or however long, you know, however long, and then, and then walk away. So, I just made the decision uh, at that point in time over the holidays, Thanksgiving and Christmas to, uh, to, to bronze the boots and walk away under my own terms and see what life held next for Nikita Koloff. So going to fast forward to about two and a half, three years past that. And I was working at a place called the Baptist bookstore. Uh, in South Boulevard in Charlotte, and I get a phone call from a guy one day uh, ordering a book called Point Man, and he asked me to ship it to him, and he gives me the address of Koloff's Fortress of Fitness in Concord. No, really? And, and I said, uh, and I said, yeah, and who am I shipping this to? And he says, Nikita Koloff. And I said, wow. you're Nikita Koloff. And you said, yes, that's me. And I said, and I used your full real name, and you said, wow, you actually know my real name. And you and I ended up having a conversation for about an hour uh, on the phone. It's crazy. Uh, and you talked about your uh, conversion and, 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 and life since wrestling, and you, told, and you told me the story about getting hurt in match with Vader. Um, so, uh, you know, obviously uh, Matt and I are both believers and have been involved in ministry and um, our, our co-host who couldn't make it tonight because he's under the weather um, is involved in active ministry. So tell us a little bit about what led to your conversion and um, just what your life's been like since then. We're not going to ask any more questions. It's just for you to freestyle. Dr. Steve Farrar, point man. I remember the book. Well, I still have the book. Dr. Steve Farrar, because I went to a men's conference at Hickory Grove Baptist Church, about a thousand men there, and he spoke. And uh, that was my church. I worked there. Okay, yeah. so that, that's that's yeah. where I heard him speak. That's where that's where uh, I found out about the book. And when I got that book, turned it into a Bible study with a group of men. That's that's amazing. That's a, that's a, <laughs> that's a, and I heard I hadn't heard Nikita's fortress of fortress. fortress Fortress of Fitness for a long, long time. That that's cool. Um, well, the the short story is, so I made the decision, as I just said, to walk away from wrestling to see what life held next for Nikita Koloff. And it's it's 1993 at this now. Put it in perspective, the time frame, timeline, and you know, I, I'm just I'm on a I'm on a search, I'm on a quest, if you will. And I'm like, what's life hold next? And I had opened up that in the club, Nikita's Fortress of Fitness. And, and was kind of running that. And I'm like, I don't know what to do, do this the rest of my life. Um, you know, be confined to four walls. And, you know, through some business contacts, I'd met a Christian couple. And, you know, I didn't grow up in church, uh, just like I'm sure all the listeners realize I didn't grow up in Russia. Um, sorry to disappoint somebody, <laughs> but... Oh, wait, let me break in here. You had my favorite quote of the year. You were at the uh, Crockett Cup earlier this year. Right. And a guy interviews <laughs> right. you and he says to you, Hey, Nikita, what happened to your accent? And you just look at him just straight on the face and go, I've lived in America for 35 years. Exactly. exactly. Like, dude, I, just, <laughs> I don't know why, but that got away with me. <laughs> so I'm like, good. dude, I should know English by now. I've been here for 35 years. Come on. 
right? And uh, yeah, Caprice Coleman, that, that, he was doing the interview. Great guy. But um, Caprice is a great guy. Yes, he is. He is. And uh, so, yeah, we just we had some fun with that uh, that night for the uh, for the uh, NWA Crockett Cup. Uh, but um, so so I'm on this search, if you will. And, and really, it's kind of a time of reflection, right? Because I left wrestling now. What's life holds for me next? And so I'm reflecting on the success of my past, you know, the fame of wrestling with my name taken all over the world and my face and my likeness. And, you know, I, I call a bookstore and you go, is this really him? Right. So, you know, I, I have that, that behind me and, and I came to realization and, and that was that something was still missing. I was successful, but I was unfulfilled. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. the roar of the crowd, the title belts, the travel, all of that experience was exciting in, in the moment. But come the end of the night, all that ends, right? You got to get up the next day and look for the next thrill. And, and so I'm, I'm looking for what's next. I meet this Christian couple. They invite me to a church service. Um, again, not growing up in church. doesn't mean I never went to church. just means I went for all the wrong reasons if I did go, right? Gotcha. And, and so... I call them one day, say, I'm going to be there this Sunday. And they're like, great, we'll meet you there. And, and, and uh, I just sense, just walking into the place, I can tell you something was different. And then come the end of the service that day when an altar call, as we know it, was, was given, an invitation to accept Jesus Christ into your heart, into your life. It was my aha moment. I'm like, I, I've never done that. Now, I heard the stories. I would say it this way. I had had knowledge of who God was and the story of Jesus dying on a cross. But when it came to that story moving from my head down to my heart, that had never happened until that day, 17 October, 1993. In fact, my spiritual birthday is getting ready to come up here in a couple of weeks. Um, And, and I had an encounter at the altar that day and, and my life has never been the same since that day i went from yeah praise god i went from being successful and being unfulfilled and i can tell you if i died that day i would have died a fulfilled man um just because of that encounter with that personal relationship with jesus awesome so you take um that amazing moment and it's often that you still remember the date uh, of your conversion and later on, you start to get involved in doing ministry yourself. Um, tell us just a little bit about, for anyone listening who would want to know about your personal ministry, uh, what you're currently doing right now. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, and, and I didn't just dive right in. You know, a lot of times celebrities, others get, you know, get, get saved. They give their life to Jesus. And, you know, churches and organizations try to kind of, if you want to say, really kind of take advantage of that before they're ready. Um which I did not do. I spent the first, really the first five years just kind of getting my hands dirty. And by that meaning, I, I went on a missions trip to, to the island of, of Trinidad and helped to build a church, poured concrete, laid block buildings and, you know, block walls, stuff I'd never done before. And then, and then I went back to the island of Tobago to help build a, a, a Bible school. And then I went to Angola, Africa for three weeks to help build the church over there. And so I did some of those things, and, and I was discipled. I was discipled and mentored those first five years uh, before I ever 
really dove into evangelism and, and sharing the gospel. Awesome. And yeah, and, and so I'm thankful I had that foundation and that God brought, uh, you know, the men of God in my life that really poured into me. You know, the conference with Steve Farrar being one of, you know, one of the experiences and events that I had. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so so I, I got that foundation and then the Lord swung the doors wide open in, in the fall of 1998. And, and if you fast forward this many years later, uh, you know, I've now been in approximately... I've ministered, preached in approximately 1,200 different churches. I've now been to a total of 28 different countries. Um, I've ministered to audiences of one. The largest audience was in Jamaica, over 73,000. Wow. Uh, where I missed it. actually had Lex Luger with me, who's a solid uh, Christ follower as well um, uh, on that event. We, we tag teamed, if you will, uh, to that audience and saw so many people make a decision for Jesus. And so, so all that to say, so I do the evangelism. Um, and, and one of the things um, currently is Lex and I earlier this year launched a, a men's ministry called Man Camp. Mm. And in fact, uh, in, on the 20th of October, we have our next camp and we still have a couple spots available, but what we do it in Kannapolis, North Carolina, what happens is guys, we bring guys in for, for five days and he and I just pour into them. And our goal is to see whole men living holy lives, wholly available unto the Lord, healthy in mind, body, and spirit, right? So mentally healthy, spiritually healthy, emotionally healthy, physically healthy, and so man camp. And then I do, I do one day conferences. Like I just did one in Columbia, Tennessee last Saturday. Um, a week from this Saturday, I do one in Detroit, Michigan, uh, a man up, you just call it man up. It's a mm. one day conference that just gives guys kind of a taste of the man camp. Okay. And, and, and then, and then extend that invitation for them to come to the man camp. And, and so very involved and very passionate about men's ministry. Um, as well as, uh, as like, I'll do a men's breakfast this Saturday and then I'll head off to Kentucky and, and do a, and preach a four day revival. So mm. I do, I do revivals, I do crusades. God's opened so many doors. Um, and last but not least, I'm working on my fourth book right now. That'd be different from anyone I've ever done. The first one I did was called breaking the chains. I saw that um, on your website. Okay. Yeah, it was not long after uh, giving my life to the Lord that I was prompted to write that book. The second one was a business book called Wrestling with Success by a good friend of mine. I, did, I co-labored on that with Jeffrey Gittimer, a good friend of mine. And then the last one was uh, A Tale of the Ring of Redemption that I did with William Murdoch. That was my life story. And then this next one, if I were to put it in a category, it would probably fall into the daily devotional category. Okay. And, uh, yeah, so I got that going on too. So well, you're a, you're a busy man for the kingdom. That's fantastic. Um, well, God's been faithful. Yes. All, yeah, well, all the time he is. Um, yeah. And it's cool. You mentioned Lex cause we actually did a, what five part yeah, series did, on yeah, Lex. We did five parts on Lex. Yeah. Um, our, our yeah. recurring guest, uh, was also Matt. He's a, he's a big Luger fan. So, uh, we we delve mm-hmm. deep into Lex, and actually, I was going to ask about um, your relationship with him. But me being that you mentioned it, uh, and wrestling fans who happen to be Christians as well would probably want to know. Other than Lex, are there any other uh, former wrestlers that you do ministry with 
Okay, great question. Um, over the years, yeah, I've done something. And I've had a, I had a, a role. The Lord has blessed me with an opportunity, a role to really speak into a number of, of people's lives. Mm-hmm. Um, Ivan being one, uh, Uncle Ivan, um, invited him to a, a revival. Uh, didn't know he was there until I saw him at the altar. Uh, surrendering his life to the Lord, and and that was a awesome. that was a complete transformation. One night, I'm talking about uh, from drug addiction to tobacco addiction to alcoholism to I mean cussing like a sailor to to all that slate being wiped clean. And, and he went on to become an ordained minister prior to his passing. So had a hand in that. Road Warrior Hawk, before he passed, I, I, I invited him and Animal to a, a Christian professional athletes conference in Phoenix where Hawk heard a message from Jensen Franklin and a great minister of the gospel. And, and Hawk was the first one to the altar that night. We baptized the guys in the pool there at, at, the, at the conference, um, brought him on the road with me for a year and a half before he passed and was just mentoring, discipling him. Sting. I mean, I, I spent about five years going to his his house once once a quarter to really disciple, mentor his him and his sons mm. after he gave his life to the Lord. Tully Blanchard, Ted DiBiase, uh, I've done ministry with over the years, and yeah, so very fortunate. And then, of course, now you know Lex and and I have done the most ministry together, including launching launching these man camps. And if the people will probably mention it again, I'm sure, but. They want information on it. There's guys out there that'd be interested in spending a few days with Lex and I and letting us pour India. You know, just go to mancamp.info. Mancamp.info. That's the website, and they can uh, read about the ministry. And uh, there's, if they're so led to, you know, get registered and come hang out with us. Yes, indeed. And Marks, we will include that uh, website in the in the description, mancamp.info. If you desire to get blessed and learn from the Lord and just let receive from the Holy Spirit through Nikita and Lex Luger. Um, we only have a couple of minutes here left. I think JT has one last question um, before we let you go. Yeah, my My question was, it's two part question. Um, one, who from your era uh, did you not get to work with that you would have liked to have worked with? And who from the modern era, if you're paying attention to any of the modern stuff, would you like to work with today? Uh, great question. Uh, I mean, I don't, uh, I, ca- I just catch bit, bits and pieces. Um, actually, I hadn't had television, uh, I hadn't had cable or satellite for. 12 going on 13 years in my house. I just don't have time for it. Um, but there's a few guys. I mean, you know, the, the big buildup uh, over the years, of course, was, you know, what would have happened with, you know, Nikita against Hogan and, you know, and right. that, that I think would have made for an interesting match. Uh, and it, actually Shawn Michaels, I think I would have enjoyed, uh, um, you know, some matches with, with Shawn. I mean, there's a, there's a few guys, obviously the, the rock would have been, uh, uh, fun to have a match or two with, um, you know, number, number of those guys, uh, would have been, uh, would have been fun to modern day, uh, you know, uh, John Cena maybe, you know, and, um, uh, yeah, just, um, uh, yeah. Well, he, yeah, he and, uh, he and he, and, uh, I was actually thinking of him and Russo when I was talking about them duplicate, trying to duplicate some of the success of you and Magnum. Yeah. Yeah. What? Yep. And I, and I, I've heard that, and uh, 
And, and, and Hey, you never, you never know. I'll, I'll, I'll plant this seed out there for all the listeners. You know, uh, who knows? Maybe, maybe uncle Nikita will pop up one day. Just there, there's, there's a little, little seed for you guys there. Uncle Nikita, maybe hey, one day we'll see. And NWA power goes live. <laughs> you never know. Yeah. Uncle Nikita may show up. Uncle Nikita and his nephews. I don't know. Who knows? You never know. You never know. <laughs> that way, hey, I'm I'm down for that. I would I would mark out over that. Let me tell you. Keep keep listening, listeners. Keep keep your eyes and ears open. You, you never know. Stranger things have happened in professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. Hey, let me just say real quick, too, guys. I appreciate the appreciate the the time tonight, and and um, as as if there, as you got praying folks out there, and you guys are praying. Uh, one of the things I'm working on right now is a vision board for 2020 to 2025. And, and um, man, I've got a lot of countries listed on my vision board that I, um, I'm hopeful of, of, uh, of being able to go to over the next five years. And, and, and just uh, I'm going next year, uh, believe it or not, to, the, to, to Japan. Hadn't been there since 1986. Um, going back as a minister this time during the Olympics next year in Japan. Awesome. Um, yeah, to do ministry, and I'm going to Israel. I'm going to the Philippines to do some conferences in Manila and Cebu, and just petition everybody's prayers out there, and and uh, and and getting ready to to ramp up. Um, there may be some some individuals or some organizations that would want to you know partner with me financially, partner with me. We are 501c3, and so you know that I'm getting ready to to, to amp that up uh, here over the next few months and really launch. Cold Off for Christ Ministries uh, on a big scale in 2020. So just appreciate everybody's prayers. Oh, oh definitely, of course. And um, yeah, absolutely. And thank you for your yes, time. Yes, we greatly as well. appreciate your time. Um, and just before I do, I, I go to the closing. You mentioned um, the Man Up website, but are there any other websites or any other contact information should people want to reach out to you that you'd like to share? Yeah, I, I appreciate that. Of course, the the the, the man camp website uh, they can directly you know directly email me through that. Um, my main site is nikitakolov.com. That's that's the main one. And then if they want to follow me, I mean, I have a Facebook presence, but but I'm I'm more of an Instagram, Twitter guy. I usually post something positive every day on there and just try to encourage people. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a big encourager. And and the if you want to look for me on Instagram or Twitter. Look for Nikita Koloff with the number one behind it. That's that's really me, and uh, and I, pr- I appreciate that, guy. guys. I just again, I just appreciate the time that you guys been awesome. No, you're most welcome. Well, Marks, that's it for this episode of Breaking Ring Rust. Huge, huge thanks to our special guest Nikita Koloff. Uh, and again, I am your host, Rocky Mr. Magic. He is the cold heart. We want to thank you for listening. We could not possibly do this without you. Not without you, Jeeks. So please take the time, like, rate, review the show on your favorite podcasting app of choice. We are on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, CastBox, and more. And if you can't find us, let us know at jignation at gmail.com or message us on Facebook at jignation. And until next time, get yourself over, Marks. Sedota! I know this sounds dumb, but I feel like we're a real show now.
Right. Yeah, yes. We're a real show now. Yay! Yeah. <laughs>